The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to the Liberty Alert with Gregory Seltz. Sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, old biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Gregory Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Gregory Seltz. Welcome to the Liberty Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to people of faith. Today in our program, we are privileged to have Stephanie Taub, Senior Counsel for First Liberty Institute, and Tim Gegline, Vice President of Government Communications for Focus on the Family. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, let's just jump right in because I, Stephanie, this is a huge topic now. And I just want to start off by saying this. Um, back in January, we had Kelly Shackelford from First Liberty on our program, and he said something that is still incredible to me. He said this is the best time in his lifetime for religious liberty protections uh, for the church and her people. And I, of course, said, oh, come on. <laughs> you know. But we're seeing this in the courts. We really are. We, you know, with the Bladensburg case starting to make its way down river with some of these kind of things. And it's happening. And that's such a great thing to see. But then your initiative, which is to see what's happening in the workplace where corporations are actually making it harder on people of faith uh, to just be good employees. But where are we today? Why do we still need this religious liberty initiative in the workplace for people of faith? So thank you so much for setting that stage. And I have to agree with uh, my boss, Kelly Shackelford, <laughs> that this has the most potential okay. right now. Uh, as we've seen in the past week, for example, at the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court issued fantastic opinions protecting the free exercise of religion, right. incredibly strong religious opinions that protect religious liberty for all Americans. Um, and then you're also right that um, in the marketplace, we're seeing more threats than ever uh, to religious employees, to people of faith that simply want to work without being forced to compromise their religious beliefs, who simply want to work without being forced to choose between their religious convictions and their job. And so many requests for legal help come to my desk. Every week we're, we're getting requests um, from someone who is facing this choice whether they, they're afraid that they're going to be fired or they have been fired because they simply want to stand up for what they believe in. Now, isn't that amazing, though? But, and let me just ask you this again, too, before we get into some particulars of what you're talking about. You would think that if the courts ruled and, and they protected and they laid the ground floor of civility uh, there for us all, when did these corporations decide that they were going to become the religious, philosophical, ideological voice of our culture. Do you th is that what's going on with these big corporations? Well, one interesting statistic that I read, there was a study from just a few months ago, 2022, where they looked at every Fortune 500 company and looked at their main diversity webpage and to see um, okay. whether religion was even mentioned 
on that diversity webpage. So even though religion is a protected class, you are absolutely protected from being fired or discriminated against in the workplace because of your religion. Of all of these Fortune 500 companies, more than half didn't even mention religion. 60% did not mention religion. So if you're not even giving a nod to religious, um, to protections for um, religious employees on your webpage, how do you think that they're actually implementing it on the ground? Are they going to actually protect the rights of religious employees? Uh, I'm seriously in doubt. Yeah. And I think, Tim, this this actually, uh, I think, goes to a deeper issue. And I think our people don't even understand this, really. There's a growing secularism in our culture that sees persons of faith as nefarious, backward, problematic. And, and you know, I just think it's past time uh, to take on these false charges. Seriously. You know, why is it even more important to defend the Judeo-Christian worldview in the public square? Because it is, and it has been a positive force for good. So, you know, when we see that these five Fortune 500 companies don't even mention it, what they're really saying is, all the blessings that we have today have nothing to do with the religious worldview. And that actually is crazy. I, I am so glad you raised this point, Greg, and especially in light of what Stephanie was sharing with us, because what First Liberty Institute is doing, and I think this should be to borrow Thomas Jefferson's phrase as a fire bell in the night. I think what, uh, what we are learning about now is that the tip of the spear of the potential crackdown on people's religious liberty is not just historically residing with government and governmental institutions. Let's remember that a bevy of, uh, of, uh, of major religious liberty cases you know, did not uh, arise necessarily from a governmental institution, but increasingly in, in, in the private sector. And that's why I think this is enormously important to pay attention to, because those of us who are passionate about religious liberty and the rights of conscience, we should stop only looking to government or government-affiliated institutions right. for the potential place of the threat to our working lives that increasingly, to the point that you made and the point that Stephanie made and the point that is inherent in the narrative of this very important program is that unfortunately the private sector now is increasingly a monumental potential threat to uh, religious faith and to religious liberty. And it's frankly, it's where we're going. You know, and Timmy, well said, because uh, I just read an article where it said the Supreme Court restores a culture of life to America. And that's not what they did, you know, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Dobbs. What they did is they, they made possible a framework to restore life in America, but they didn't do it. You know, they just gave they just put, you know, the constitutional protections back where they belong. We have to engage the culture and reinstill what life means, because we're yeah. already seeing philosophically people saying, yeah. you know, life's being taken away from us. And it's exactly the opposite. So, well, well said. OK, um, Stephanie, back to you. You know, when we talk about some of the issues that you're going to be addressing with this initiative. I think people understand the accommodation one. Okay. But again, you please explain some of those kinds of things. But the one that really gets to me, and this is the one I think has just popped up recently, which is the hostile 
workplace where actually being a hardworking person who just happens to be a Christian, you're not there preaching the gospel and you're not, you know, maybe you read your Bible at, at lunchtime or something like that, but you're just, you're a good employee. But if they find out you're Christian and that you actually have belief systems, I mean, this, there's a hostile workplace for people of faith like never before. And I guess I don't know how they get away with this because these are philosophical, ideological, moral ideals, and they don't have the right to enforce those on us. So talk about accommodation and then talk about this hostile workplace stuff. Absolutely. So Title VII is federal employment discrimination law. It protects um, so, virtually all employees across the country. If you work at a, any business that has 15 or more employees, then this protects you and you have a right to request a religious accommodation from your employer. Okay. And then it also protects you from um, being discriminated against because of your religion. It protects you from facing a hostile work environment because of your religion. Uh, unfortunately, I, I have to say that these, these are strong protections, but they haven't always been enforced. Um, oftentimes, companies feel empowered to disregard these religious liberty protections in the workplace, and sometimes courts let them get away with it. So we are pushing at First Liberty Institute to make sure that these uh, religious liberty protections actually have teeth. We are bringing lawsuits. Um, our uh, primary, primary lawsuit in this sphere right now is uh, against Alaska Airlines. And so we are increasingly seeing woke corporations feeling empowered to censor disagreement and root out employees of faith who hold traditional religious beliefs on moral issues. Alaska Airlines, for example, fired two flight attendants because oh. of their religious posts on their internal company messaging board. And in the notice of discharge to one of these employees, they said even defining sexual orientation or, a, or gender identity as a moral issue is a discriminatory statement. And so wow. at Alaska Airlines, if you hold religious, if you even imply that you hold um, different moral beliefs on these issues, then they're gonna consider that discrimination, they're gonna consider that harassment and they will fire you. And so this is absolutely religious discri uh, discrimination. Title VII clearly protects you from being fired because of your religious beliefs. And that is exactly what these work corporations want to do. And so I, the threat is increasing and we need to um, really step up and defend our rights. If you are in, um, if you or any of your listeners are facing a similar situation, we've got um, guides that that tell you what you can do if you're facing this sort of a situation. Right. And you can reach out to us, or there are a handful of other good religious liberty groups that do this kind of work. Um, and so we would love to reach out to you uh, to connect with you. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that at the end because I really want them to get uh, a hold of the the great information that you provide and the great resources that you provide. Provide. But also talk about this hostile work environment, because, you know, what you just said is once someone actually voices their, you know, their opinion, um, that there can, it can be very punitive, but it's, it's even worse now where people are browbeaten into silence and just basically told what to do. And that goes with a lot of the, these HR initiatives where you go through this training, you go through that training, and basically those trainings are slapping you around morally because you don't believe in a lot of the fun, fundamental things that they're talking about, even though you believe that you believe in diversity, you believe in co-equality, you believe in all those things, but what they're talking about is different than that. But then you're kind of intimidated into silence. And I noticed in the hostile work uh, discussion, you were saying, well, they can't, you can't have a religious accommodation not to go to these trainings. 
okay, well, if I don't go to those, if I have to go to those trainings, am I not being coerced into thinking a certain way, even if I disagree? Uh, well, those are very fact-intensive questions. I think we we do need to be cautious about this area. As I said, courts aren't always giving aren't always protecting your rights in the way that they should, according to right. according to the law. So we are going to be asking the Supreme Court, or other case I'll mention, <laughs> we're going to be asking, we're going to be asking the Supreme Court to really make sure that this religious accommodation provision has teeth, is actually meaningful. There was a terrible precedent that the Supreme Court set in the 1970s that essentially was very pro-employer and allows these big corporations to sidestep their obligations to actually respect religious diversity in the workplace and grants meaningful accommodations. And so we're going to be asking the uh, Supreme Court to take another look at that. And this is is a court that has been willing to take a look at bad precedent set right. decades ago. So this is our wonderful opportunity. Um, and so this particular case is, involves a post office employee who simply wants to observe the Sabbath on Sundays. Um, and he has been able to and is willing to uh, work extra hours that aren't on Saturday on Sundays, but continually is still scheduled for Sundays and mm. continually denied religious accommodations. Um, and so the post office can accommodate but hasn't. And that's why. Um, so we're asking Asking the Supreme Court to take the to take this case, re-examine that bad precedent, um, and really, which could help employees not just observing uh, in the Sabbath context, but across the board who need a religious accommodation. Well, Tim, I you know, and the religious accommodation in practice—that's something I think people have grappled with, and they really do understand this. What I don't really understand is it, the hostile work environment, because really there's a philosophy, there are philosophies being hoisted on us today. Now, if you tell me I have to go through a training just because that's what we do, but we're not coercing you to think that way. Well, that, okay, fine, because all of us have to be challenged many, many times by the way we think about things. I don't have a problem with that. And when push comes to shove, I'm comfortable debating things uh, freely in the public square because I do think the way we think about things is a blessing, not just for us, but for all people. But here we're talking about, again, certain voices being told uh, that they can speak and certain voices being told that they can't speak. And that's what's so problematic. Why aren't people more outraged about this stuff? Yeah, I love that question. It, it reminds me, by the way, Stephanie and Greg, of that famous observation from William F. Buckley. He said liberals always say that they uh, welcome everybody's point of view until they learn there are other points of view. I think for purposes of what we've learned in this fabulous discussion, we're finding that the practical application of what Bill observed in that in that witticism is exactly right. You know, there was a, a, a now forgotten, brilliant American scholar, James Burnham, who wrote a very famous book in the 1950s called The Managerial Revolution. And what Burnham was observing in the managerial revolution is that we were moving toward a country and a culture where, unfortunately, significant parts of, of our private economy, corporations, companies, etc., would use all kinds of vast powers to crack down on otherwise constitutional rights. And I think that this is precisely what we are seeing in the way that you have described it, Greg, and the way that Stephanie has described it. This is a managerial, a corporate revolution that we are living through. And the target too often is people of faith and conscience. And the real problem, I want to go, if I may, very quickly to the point that you raised. 
The real problem here is that millions of men and women of faith are never going to be a part of the discussion like the one we're having. Right. They, 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 they simply want to get up in the morning, they want to go to work, they want to work hard and smart and be great employees and do their jobs. And they do not have an expectation that there's not going to be any kind of accommodation or understanding that for the overwhelming majority of Americans, you can be an excellent person of faith and an excellent employee. And those two will never, ever collide. Right. Well, you know, even just just think of it this way, folks. You have inalienable or unalienable rights. Where do those rights come from? They don't come from the state. They come because you were created by God. So that's the foundational principle that undergirds the, not only the Declaration, but also yeah. why we limit the powers of the government in the Constitution. And so that's it. Now, Dennis Prager said it this way. So if you're an American, uh, act like you believe in God, whether you do or not. <laughs> I love this. He said, because your, your personal liberties depend on it. Because if, if the state takes away those unalienable rights that come from God because they convince you that you're just a blob that actually is an accident in history and there is no God, well, your citizenship goes with it. That's what we're trying to get at here, that there are foundational principles that actually undergird liberty. And some of these corporations are attacking those things. And we're saying, no, we're going to defend those things for everybody. So, Stephanie, your people are doing this. But what are some of the solutions offered by this initiative, and then get to some more of the, of the resources that, that people can access. Absolutely. So the number one solution, and it really is a focus of First Liberty Institute. That's why it's unusual for a law firm to have the word institute in, okay. in their name. It's <laughs> because we focus on education. And right. if you win a Supreme Court case or a other big uh, court case, but no one knows about it, then it's almost as if the case didn't exist. So it's so important for right. our um for everyone to understand what their rights are um, and to stand up for them. Because the, I mean, the simple fact of the matter is, if every employee of faith understood their rights and stood up for their rights, mm -hmm. um, then we wouldn't have this crisis that we have right now. And we would we would actually be able to have a voice and exercise our our rights. And mm -hmm. so we're really encouraging everyone to stand up for what you believe in. And if, and if you are called to ch make this difficult choice between your faith and your job, then just to know what your rights are, be very cognizant of the fact that corporations might not respect your rights. They might retaliate against you for standing up for what you are legally entitled to. And you mm -hmm. might face repercussions. But with that in mind, we, we offer guides and resources on our website to help you consider uh, what your options are if you're faced with these difficult circumstances and right. some recommendations for best practices and how to request a religious accommodation. Thank you. And we'll get your website here right before we close. But Tim, I, I love we've talked about this too. know your rights. I think one of the problems today is we think we tend to think in rights, but rights really are responsibilities to be exercised in culture for the sake of another. Uh, I don't know where this yes. self-centered notion of it's my right, so I do whatever I want and you have to pay whatever consequences come from me exercising my right. No, that's never been the founding fathers. So again, Christians need to understand, don't you think that God is the one who preserves the world? He's the one who saves the world. And, and his word is very powerful and we've seen it work. We've seen it bless people. Why aren't we, you know, shouldn't we be thinking now, what are my responsibilities? They're defending my right. Thank goodness for that. 
But now what are my responsibilities? Yes, it's about duties and obligation. Right. Uh, it's about what is my vocation and what am I to do, you know, in the public square? You know, not everyone's vocation uh, is to be on a great radio program like this or to be an attorney <laughs> Uh, or a moderator, or a host, etc. But in the Christian life, we all have duties and responsibilities. And the first one is that we are not ever to put a bushel basket over our candlestick. We are always to allow the gospel to be uh, debated, to be discussed, to be heard in the public square. Uh, it doesn't mean that we have to get up every morning, get, get, get a bullhorn out of our closet. That's not what we're speaking about here. But as good citizens who also happen to be Christians, we have to be able to maneuver and to navigate in our extraordinary, exceptional country and our constitutional rights uh, absolutely protect the ability uh, to be faithful Christians, uh, to be excellent employers. And I think that this guide uh, is an outstanding resource. I think we at Focus on the Family would be very eager to point people toward the wonderful First Liberty Institute resource and say, here's a great one-stop shop to understand you know, your rights and, and how they can be applied. And one thing I'll add for those of you listening in, um, there's a great book. I read it a long time ago. It was What If Jesus Had Never Been Born by D. James Kennedy. And it talks about things like we talk about universal education like it actually is something that's always been. That's so silly. It's just a, it's a blip in time. And it happened because of the Reformation. And, and people thought that everyone should be able to read the Bible for themselves. And you start to get into this, the dignity of humanity, the dignity of children, the dignity of women, the dignity of family, all those things. Even though the golden rule used to be don't do unto others what you don't want them to do to you. Now it's do unto others what you wish them to do to you. Jesus turned all those things in a whole different direction. And if he had never been born or the Christian worldview had never been so influential, we would see a radically, radically different world. And so we're supposed to be part of this educational process. Uh, First Liberty is supposed to be part of this educational process, and we are proud to do it together. All right, Stephanie, a last word. So what are some of the cases that you're that we should be praying about? I know you just talked about the uh, religious accommodation case. There's a couple more along these lines. Absolutely. So we're, uh, so as I mentioned, the case for the flight attendants against right. Alaska Airlines, we recently filed that. Uh, prayers would be appreciated for that one. Then we're all, then the post office case about religious accommodation. We're asking the Supreme Court to take that case. We'll be asking them to take it soon. We know the Supreme Court only takes about one or 2% of cases where they're asked. So if they took that case and issued a ruling protecting religious employees across the country that would be um that would be outstanding so prayers for that um and then also um we're, we're continuing to fight uh, for business owners of faith as right. well such as um the small family business sweet cakes by melissa yeah, that um sim simply wants to be able to engage in the marketplace without being forced to violate their conscience their religious beliefs and so we're going to ask the supreme court to grant them a final victory in that case as well well, uh, I just signed uh, onto the letter supporting um, uh, Melissa, you know, in the Sweet Cakes case. And I would recommend that you all go to First Liberty Institute's webpage. Can you give that webpage again, real quick? Yes, we are First Liberty Institute. It is firstliberty.org. Firstliberty.org. And you can see all of these things. These, uh, first of all, this great information. 
Uh, you can also see the other great work that they're doing. And again, folks, uh, we, what they're doing is they're they're guarding. You know, they're actually doing what uh, our constitution wishes us to have done, which is to protect state encroachment from you being able to live a virtuous life for the sake of others. And that's the secret of America. But that means now it's up to us then to reinstill these values, not only in our children, but in our communities. And so please go there to see how some people are standing up to this. Uh, maybe grab that book and see some of the, the, the beautiful things that have happened just because the Christian biblical worldview has uh, taken hold in some parts of the world. Uh, but understand uh, that sometimes you have to contend for these things, or, or they can be, um, e even with the right laws in place, they can be lost very easily. So, Stephanie, thank you for this engaging work that you're doing. God bless you, and keep up the good work. Thank you. And Tim, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRL DC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Gregory Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Alert with Dr. Gregory Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty.